This is episode two of the Great Speech Podcast on the extraordinarily awesome power of storytelling to persuade. Shaka, shaka, shaka Khan. It's a Great Speech Podcast for the public speakers. We're going way down deep to look at what makes a communicator. We'll look at all different topics from the bottom to the top. So get your mind free of all the distractions and please listen up, listen up, listen up. It's the Great Speech Podcast. 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 Thanks, Dad. In an ancient West African kingdom a long, long time ago, there lived a very cruel king who loved to oppress his people. And one day he announced that his people must build him a new palace and that nobody would eat until the palace was completed. And when the representatives of the people pleaded with the king for mercy, he got so incensed that he made his decree even worse. Not only would no one eat until the palace was built, he said, but now the palace had to be built from the top down instead of from the bottom up. And the people went hungry. And they convened a great conference of all the greatest builders and architects and engineers of the kingdom. But nobody could figure out how to build a palace from the top down instead of from the bottom up. And when they approached the king again, he got even angry and he said, Now anybody who disobeyed his decree would be summarily put to death without exception. And the people starved. And so they approached the most famous elder of the kingdom, an old blind man who had once been the king's chief lawyer and counsel. And they asked him to plead with the king on his behalf, on their behalf. And he agreed to do so. Fortunately, the king granted him an audience and in their private chambers, he spoke with the king. And after just five minutes, he and the king reemerged from the private chamber and the king announced that he had cancelled the decree and no longer did he need a new palace. And of course, the people could eat again. And that evening, as the people celebrated, they asked the old man how he had changed the mind of the king. Easy, he told them. I first asked him if it was true that anybody who broke his rule would be executed without exception. And the king confirmed yes. And then I reminded him of the very first decree I'd helped him make when he first became king, which said that whenever a new palace was built, it was for the king to lay the first stone. (laughs) And the moral of the story is everybody needs a good lawyer. (laughs) Greetings, my great communicators. How are you guys doing? Let's get going. The quote of this episode, because I like to start all my episodes with a quote, is actually a proverb from the uh, Hopi people. Hopi? Hopi. Hopi. H-O-P-I. Hopi, I think. Uh, or the Native American Hopi people, which says, those who tell the stories rule the world. Those who tell the stories rule the world. Because we are going to be talking all about the awesome. And I mean awesome in the proper sense of the word, like actually meaning awe, inspiring awe in people, not in the kind of like, hey, did you see Jason's new Instagram post? It was like really awesome, right? (laughs) Not in that sense of the word, right? I mean, properly awesome, the awesome power of storytelling to persuade, storytelling to get people on your side. That's what we're going to be covering in this uh, episode two. But first, let me go to what I'm going to call review corner. And thank you guys for responding to my podcast. I really love this stuff. And it kind of, it really gives you 
kind of like hope and heart when people respond i've had so many messages private messages i've had emails and of course i've had reviews in itunes which is the best way to comment if you want to comment on this podcast and say how you feel about it It also helps other people find it so please 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 keep them rolling in Uh, i'll acknowledge a couple of them here one from keegan mccalley thank you keegan you say great podcast took a little time to get started yes i know it kind of did even my wife told me off about that says it was too long you were chatting too much i'm going to try and reduce it right uh but she says the references were good uh she's hoping for my charisma to take me uh in my path to success i wish you all the success keegan and yes charisma will definitely help you get there got another one from middle-aged black man Hmm. that's not me by the way but uh, thank you middle-aged black man there you go colin from my kid oh come on leave that okay this is episode two that is in the past move on uh great first episode now subscribe via podcast republic oh Okay, I don't know Podcast Republic. I'll have to look that up. Uh, we'll definitely be supporting and recommending uh, Kwaheri. Kwaheri. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Let me look that up quickly. What is that? Kwaheri. That sounds like Swahili or something. That Kwaheri. Kwaheri means goodbye in Swahili. Ooh. So it's right. It is Swahili. It means goodbye in Swahili. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, middle black man, because I'm going to use that in this very podcast episode because I say goodbye in a different language each time. I'm going to use that. Probably haven't pronounced it right, but there you go. This is this is live <laughs> responses of the podcast. Thank you so much for that. Uh, more reviews here from Tokes A. What a fresh fresher listening to Colarily. Thank you for using my proper name, Tokes. I love that. Bye-bye, Beji, which means father of twins. Uh, top messages, top, top messages in here. Great for helping you lift your head out of the sand. Thank you, sir. Stephanie, Stephanie Resilio says, I especially enjoyed the relaxed approach of this podcast. Makes you feel as though Collar were chatting casually by your side in a cafe. Yes, that's the style I'm going for there. Thank you very much, Stephanie. I really appreciate that. Crazy Horse 78. Lots of good thought-provoking stuff in your Charisma episode. Thank you. Uh, G. Kazobo says, I'm impressed, although not surprised that you got the gift and it's good to see you sharing it with the world. Keep it up. Start. Thank you very much, G. Kazo. G. Kazo. I really appreciate that. Uh, and yes, I'm going to keep going uh, even if nobody else is listening. But I really hope you guys will. And please do send in your reviews because I will give you a shout out and I will kind of read some of them out. Uh, just to really show my appreciation. So let's get going uh, before my wife tells me off <laughs> for taking too long. Uh, storytelling, what are we going to cover in this episode? Well, we are going to talk about why storytelling really is so awesome. Awesome in the proper sense of the word. Why, it's my view, it's actually the single most powerful tool of persuasion, especially when it comes to public speaking. We're going to look at how it works on a neuropsychological level And then, of course, I'm going to give you my step-by-step play on how to tell a good story, a great story to get people to do what you want. I'm going to try and do that quite often where I actually give my breakdown as to how to achieve things. So this is a much more practical podcast as opposed to one that's just me chatting and, you know, just saying whatever's on my my mind and on on my chest. So it's going to be a packed episode. Uh, so let's get going with it. So what is a story, first of all? That's probably the best place to start. Well, all it is, is it's kind of a narrative of connected events. Uh, a, a narrative of connected events that usually would move us an, an, an audience emotionally. So it's really just storytelling is much more about things that happen as opposed to, you know, a speech or TED talk where it's all about the message you're giving as opposed to there's something that necessarily happens. So that's what uh, storytelling is. 
in my view and what a great story is. So let's think then about why is storytelling actually so awesome? Well, here's the thing, and there's loads of research about this. There's one in particular that I really like. It was done uh, several years back by Stanford University. And what they effectively discovered that storytelling, when compared with just giving facts, stories are actually 22 times more likely to be remembered than facts alone. 22 times more likely to be remembered. And that's because facts, so facts pretty much engage the left side of your brain. You know, your brain, um, you've probably heard about it. The brain is kind of divided into, well, several sections, but uh, three in particular. But for our purposes, we want to talk about the left side and the right side of the brain. So the left side deals with logic and analysis. Um, it's the part that deals with reason. It's, it's the part that essentially really defines us as humans, you know, especially that rational neocortex element of human beings, right? So that's the left side of the brain. Whereas the right side of the brain deals with emotions, deals with music, deals with creativity. But interestingly, and this is where it comes into it, it also is the part of the brain that is responsible for motivation and for decision making. That is so important because it means that although people will analyze things with the logic, the left side of the brain, looking at going into the reasons they should do something, when it comes to actually making them act, when it comes to them deciding what to do, it is the left side of the brain. So the emotion actually that takes over. And they've done the analysis, they've done research with people who had damaged the part of the brain that actually deals with uh, creativity, emotion, the right side of the brain. And what they found is that they could analyze issues absolutely perfectly because the right side, the left side of the brain was intact, the logic side, right? But when it came to actually making decisions, they just couldn't do it. Even things as simple as should I have chicken or beef for dinner? They struggled with making decisions because that part of their brain had been uh, damage. So it's a really important one because, um, you know, looking at this, the neuropsychology of it, what they see is that it is that effectively when you listen to a story, it releases certain chemicals. So it releases cortisone, cortisol, which is like the stress hormone that that actually means that you get caught up in a story. So if you've ever heard yourself or seen caught yourself listening to something or watching something and realize that your own heart is pumping, right? You know, you're absorbed and you might even be stressed. Think about, you know, scary movies. You actually do get scared, even though it's something that's just happening on television. It's not, there's no actual danger to you. Well, that's because your brain actually re- it triggers the release of, of the stress hormone cortisol in your brain, which, which means that it feels like it's happening to you. It also releases oxytocin into your brain, which is kind of the, it's kind of the love hormone, right? Which makes us empathize with whoever is in the story. That's why you can watch a story of someone that you may disagree with or dislike, but you still get caught up in it. If you've ever watched um, uh, which, uh, Das Boot. Yeah, I've been watching that on the program at the moment. A great program. It's a, kind of an original German movie, Das Boot. Uh, and it was all about the, um, U-boats in, um, during the World War II, I think it was. And there's a remake actually at the moment on Sky, which I'm watching really, really good. But here's the thing. So they are technically, you know, if you are living the West as in, you know, Europe, um, uh, England or, or America or something. So they're technically the enemy in the story, right? But you are absolutely absorbed by it and you want them to succeed. Why? Because you get caught up in the story. That's what stories do. It releases oh, the love hormone oxytocin, which makes you empathize uh, with people. So storytelling is a fantastically effective way 
of getting people to think about things in the way that you want to think about them. They've also done analysis where they've modeled the brain patterns of the speaker and the listener when a story is being told. And what they've realized is that actually the brain waves start to match during a story. They start to mirror each other which just increases the level of connection between somebody who's speaking and somebody who's listening. It's why tyrants have banned playwrights and poets. It's why Jesus told parables. It's why you teach your child not to lie by telling them the story of the boy who cried wolf. It's also why you'll continue watching even a terrible movie all the way to the end, even though you know it's just really bad. Like I spent, I lost couple of hours of my life watching speed two <laughs> anybody ever see that i've seen speed so speed one with keanu Reeves is actually a really good movie right i mean action movie but it's it's a good movie good you know good action good romp uh, but speed two is so appalling <laughs> it really is but i remember watching this for a couple of hours and you know you you get to the end you thinking, oh my god that was rubbish but i had to stay till the end i had to work out see what happened so that is the awesome power of storytelling it absorbs you in the moment which means that if you are a public speaker if you are somebody who's trying to persuade other people if you can incorporate storytelling into your public speaking it is super effective it's it's almost like it's like a trojan horse where whatever message it is that you want to impart or you want to share with your audience if you can do it within the structure of a story They get carried away with the story and then suddenly the message is in their brains without you kind of having to force it down and ram it down their brains. If you look at um, a lot of TED Talks, in fact, they make the recommendation when if you're going to give a TED Talk, they will often say, try and use stories. If you look at some of the greatest stories, you'll find that they're often peppered with stories all the way through. It's just a super effective way of persuading people. Uh, and bringing them kind of on your side. So let us think about storytelling in the context of trying to persuade people of what to do. There's some examples. So um, Save the Children, for instance, the charity, the children's charity, they carried out an experiment where they showed one advert uh, where they just gave stats, you know, about children starving the world, all the problems that children find with abuse and so forth. And then they showed another advert where they showed an individual story of a single child and the, the life experience of that single child. What was the result? They doubled their donations. Just really simple. So that's why you will see a lot of um, save the children adverts, a lot of other adverts in that in that kind of um, fundraising line that focus on individual stories or show you pictures of individuals as opposed to just a whole bunch of stats. You know, if you think about it, there's no reason why the story of one person should be more powerful than stories of you know the billions of starving children in the world. But yet, it's been proven that that is far more powerful. There's also another experiment that I, that, that really interesting one. It's one that's called, it's called the significant objects experiment. And it was done by a couple of guys where they, they bought a whole load of really minor items like, you know, door stops and things like that, uh, for a total cost of about 130 pounds. And for each one of those items, they developed and crafted a story around that item. And they eventually turned their 130 pounds of random objects into 3,612 pounds. That's like a 2,700% increase just because they were able to increase the value of each item by virtue of the story they gave 
when selling those items. Simple. So that is just some really clear examples of the awesome power of storytelling and why it's very, very effective if you want to get your message across, if you want to persuade people and motivate people to do something that you want them to do. So I'm hoping that from listening to this, you are starting to feel that, my goodness, I really need to develop the ability to tell stories. If you remember my last episode, actually, from uh, about charisma, one of the points that I identified as which were the, you know, out of the five habits of highly charismatic people, one of them which I identified was the ability to tell stories and anecdotes. And I promised, in fact, that's that's why I decided I was going to do this episode on storytelling, because I promised that I would actually do something on how to tell a good story so that you had that to draw on. And then as you kind of develop your charisma and so forth, you'd be able to use it. So let's go then into um, my my guide, my step-by-step play on how you tell a great story, what a great story consists of. So um, now you can take notes, right? But I always will put notes, a link to, um, to uh, an article, usually on my website on the particular topic. So on this one, you can go to greatspeech.co forward slash storytelling, greatspeech.co forward slash storytelling. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Because uh, I've worked out how to do that now, uh, and you'll be able to kind of follow it. But let's go right through. Let's go through what is the structure of a great story. So, step number one, you got to set the scene. So, setting the scene just basically means showing the world and introducing your protagonist. Protagonist is just kind of the main characters in the story. You obviously in the the hero, but it could be a whole um a set of people for instance. So, okay, so to take the example I used right at the beginning of my podcast, by the way, that's why I started with a story because I knew we were going to be covering storytelling. Uh in that uh, in that story, the scene is the ancient West African kingdom and the starving people, right? The people who were starving as a result of what the king was trying to do. So that's the scene, and those are your protagonists or your heroes. Uh if you take um a a, a story, um what's the Walter White one? You know, the guy who um Oh gosh, I've forgotten this has gone out of my mind now. Uh, Walter White, you know, the guy who um, was a chemistry teacher. Breaking Bad, that's it. Yeah, I had to look that up quickly. Yeah, so Breaking Bad, you see, that's the problem with one take. It's like you literally have to do stuff live <laughs> instead of having it all prepped out. So uh, in Breaking Bad, the um, TV series, the character Walter White is a chemistry teacher in Albuquerque, right? So a pretty ordinary guy with an ordinary family. And that is the world that they set up in. Uh, in um, Star Wars, you've got Luke, Luke, Skywalker, Luke Skywalker living on a desolate planet, you know, away from the, the rest of the galaxy. Uh, if it's Thelma and Louise, you've got a couple of bored, a bored housewife and a waitress who are kind of living very ordinary unremarkable lives in Arkansas. Uh, if it's the Lion King, you've got Simba being born on the idyllic Savannah Plains, right? So that's the thing is the first thing you do is you set the scene, you introduce your audience to the world that you're going to be telling them about so that they kind of get a base it. They kind of get their balance and say, okay, right, this is what I'm coming into. Now you can use that in all sorts of examples. So let's say, you know, in the real world, right? So let's say you are pitching to a client um, you're trying to get new work, you know, let's say you're a professional of some sort. Well, very often you want to use something like a case study 
of another client that you helped and you introduce them by saying what the situation was of that client introduce them where they were how things were going uh in their company or if you're trying to change an internal company structure you know you you tell people the story of how when you first came to the company this is what was going on so what you're doing is you're just basically setting the scene right and introducing the main characters that is first step of a great story the next step and this is so important because Often people just think story, as I said, is just oh, it's just a series of events and then it happens. But no, it's got to be deeper than that. So step number two, after you have introduced your, your um, introduced your characters and set the scene is to introduce conflict. Conflict is the center of every story. If there is no conflict, if there is nothing that goes wrong or nothing that places your hero, your protagonist in jeopardy, there is no value in the story at all. There has to be something that is going to shift the world of your protagonist. It's going to change things up. Sorry, I keep whacking my microphone. That's going to change things up because that is what is going to make your story interesting. That's what's going to drive it. So unless there is conflict of some sort, something that goes wrong, something that shakes the world and forces your hero into action, something that shifts the paradigm, you're not really going to have a compelling story. So you take the Lion King, what happens? Well, Mufasa, King Mufasa, he dies and Scar takes over, which means Simba has to go on the run, right? So in, or in our, in our, um, my story I gave, the king announced the decree that the palace must be built from the top down and the people starved, right? So that is, uh, the context that's the conflict uh in breaking bad the character gets in walter white gets cancer in thelma and louise uh, i think it's thelma i think it is almost gets raped and then louise kills the rapist so they have to go on the run right so or if you're pitching to a client um that you're trying to win when you give the case study of other clients you've helped what you say then is what went wrong what happened what threatened the company or the client that you had to help or if it's about the company you're doing you're talking about what has gone wrong uh you know maybe there was a big tax bill the company had to face or a new competitor or a market crash whatever it is you want to introduce an element of conflict something that is going to shake the world of the protagonist the people who are center to the story oh interesting thing as well actually when thinking about who are the heroes in your story if for instance you are um talking let's say you're a consultant or you're pitching about something very often you don't want to make the hero you in the story right you don't necessarily want to go on about how you went through something terrible and it was great for you very often what you want to do is to make your client or somebody else the hero and then you are what's called the guide character that comes in to support so in star wars example for instance the classic thing is luke skywalker is the hero right but the guide character is yoda you know the wise old i don't know what yoda actually is but jedi anyway um that comes into guide so that's the character that you want to play if you're going to introduce yourself uh, into the story so just a little aside there but the primary thing is set, set step one set the scene so everybody knows where they are and step two immediately introduce conflict something that goes wrong okay so let's go on to step three what is step three well step three is where it gets really interesting because what you want to do is heighten the stakes and by that i mean is it's no use having conflict where okay there's a bit of conflict and trouble but nothing really turns on it so who cares if the the hero you know had a problem but if there is something that turns on it, something that will result that's really terrible as a result of that conflict, that 
is much more interesting. That is called heightening the stakes. That is how you trigger that um, cortisol emotion or, or chemical in your listeners' brains because they start to really care about the outcome. They start to care that, oh, wow, if that really goes really badly, this is going to be terrible. You're heightening the stakes. So in my story, it was about the people starving. And of course, you know, that's going to be terrible. Um, in, um, in Star Wars, you know, the Death Star blows up a planet or Obi-Wan dies. Uh, Luke is captured. You see those kind of things. You're heightening the stakes of how important this is. And Thelma and Louise, uh, they go on the run. Uh, I think they're, they're, the thief steals their money. That was actually played by a young, very young Brad Pitt, actually, if anybody's seen Thelma and Louise, like one of his earliest roles, might even have been his first role. Um, and they go on the run and they're being chased by police and so forth. You know, in The Lion King, Simba runs away. He forgets his home. You know, the Pride Lands start to suffer a drought. Do you see what we're doing is we're heightening the stakes once we've introduced that conflict. We're saying that not only did something go wrong, but look at the jeopardy that people face. Look at the things that would result as a result of, of this going wrong. So in the case study, you want to focus on the risks faced by the client that you helped. You know, the client would have gone bankrupt and would have lost his home and his family and things like that. You really want to heighten the impact of that. It's also very often the place where especially in formal stories, you'll introduce a villain. So villain's a great thing because a villain's kind of almost the, the polar opposite of the protagonist, of the hero. The, the villain's the person that embodies the real trouble. So, of course, in Star Wars, it's Darth Vader, right? Uh, in my story, it was, in fact, the king. The king is actually the villain, even though he was kind of one of the first characters that we introduced. So you really want to heighten the stakes by showing what can go wrong, what really turns on the conflict uh, that your hero is suffering or the people are suffering and how it could go from just uh, something that goes wrong to something that's a disaster, to something that's a tragedy, to something that's a catastrophe, right? Heighten the stakes so that people who are listening or watching really feel how deeply a problem this is because then the good thing about that is you're setting them up to really want the story to be resolved that as i say is why you can watch a terrible movie but even though it's terrible you still want to see how it's ultimately resolved although please do not go and watch speed 2 i promise you you'll be wasting your time uh gosh i hope that's not defamatory anyway sorry guys whoever wrote that but it really is a terrible movie uh yeah so that's step three right so set the scene Number one, introduce conflict is number two. Heighten the stakes is step number three, which takes us nicely onto step number four, because of course, step number four is you've got to resolve the story, right? You've got to bring it home. You've got to make it all make sense. The outcome, the conclusion, how the story gets resolved. So, and what you want to do is to bring it to a satisfying conclusion. Now, satisfying is not necessarily the same as happy. So all it means is that that feels like the right conclusion to the story. So, for instance, in Breaking Bad, spoiler alert, in Breaking Bad, basically, he dies at the end, the main character, right? So it's it's a pretty terrible story in the end because, you know, he dies, his family is pretty much destroyed. 
but it nevertheless was a satisfying end to that story of Breaking Bad after Series 7 or whatever it is. It was the right end to that story. So it doesn't actually have to be a happy ending. Of course, we love happy endings. You know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, girl gets the boy at the end of the story. But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, actually, there is very good evidence, uh, some great research that was done that suggested that sad endings can actually be much more motivating. So in the uh, recent 2018 elections, Oprah Winfrey was campaigning to try and get people to vote, actually. And she told this really emotional story about uh, an elderly black man that, that she had heard of who was I think when he was first eligible to vote had walked for miles and miles he walked from one polling station and was told no you're in the wrong place boy go somewhere else and he walked to the other polling station and was told no you're in the wrong place boy go somewhere else and he walked to the final polling station and although that was the right place he got there too late and they wouldn't allow him to vote so he ended up not being allowed to vote and what she did was she used that story and said look you have an obligation to all the people that went before you who were denied the vote to get out and vote it was a powerful story and very motivating uh, because it actually used that technique of having a sad ending as a way to motivate people so don't think that your story has to have a happy ending uh, sometimes in fact an ending that is sad can still be motivating as long as it's the right ending or the or the the satisfying ending to that story so you know in various examples you have of course you know when harry met sally well harry and sally end up together uh in the lion king simba defeats scar and becomes king uh in our story with the nasty king uh ultimately changes his decree and the people get to eat uh in thelma and louise i love thelma and louise actually because uh the very ending is that they drive off the grand canyon it's, i mean it's, it's a ridiculous ending if you think about it but in the moment, given what those two extraordinary women had been through, it was exactly the right ending for that story. So you see how you can take a story and what you have to do is have an ending that just brings it to a satisfying conclusion. And that's the same with when you're doing something personal. Like, as I said, the example of your pitching to a client to get their work. Well, the end of the case study that you give you show how through the work you did with the other client it meant that they resolved whether their issues were they went on to greatness and that kind of thing right you see how you're using the satisfying conclusion to resolve your story and that makes people feel oh right that's what happened and that's why the story was told that's why it makes sense so that is the um, resolving the story step, I think, what was that? Step number four uh, of your story, right? So you first of all set the scene. Then you introduce conflict. Then you heighten the stakes, often introducing your, your kind of evil villain Darth Vader character as well. And finally, you resolve the story with a satisfying conclusion. Could be happy, could be sad, but it's got to be the right ending to that story. And the fifth and final uh, step in how to give a great story is to give the moral of the story. Now, sometimes it actually means saying the moral out loud, but often it just means making sure that there is a message. Because what you want to do is to make sure that you're not just telling a story for story's sake, but you actually have a purpose for your story. You have the message that you want to implant in the minds of your audience. If you ever saw the film 
uh, Inception with it's a Christopher Nolan film. It's a uh, I think it has Leonardo DiCaprio as a character, and the idea is that they have this technology that means they can enter the dreams of people. Uh, and normally they try and extract ideas or extract information. But in this case, they wanted to implant an idea into the mind of someone so that he would then change his mind about what he was going to do um, w- with a company. It's, it's a bit of a technical story, right? So what they do when when they go into the, the, the dream of this character, Leonardo DiCaprio, they don't just go in and give him an instruction. When you wake up, I want you to sell the company off, right? No, they implant a story in his mind about how his father, when he was uh, dying on his deathbed, had told him and wanted to tell him that he was disappointed in him for not following in his own footsteps. And as a result of that story, that's why he then wakes up and says, right, I want to break up my father's company and I want to, you know, go my own way. So do you see how they use a story as opposed to just facts or information as the means of of conveying a message? And so when you're telling a story, you want to think about what's the message that I want to give when it comes out of the story, when the story is finished. What do I want them to be thinking? Ah, yes, I get it now. So uh, in my story, it was uh, everybody needs a good lawyer because I'm a lawyer. So I always want to encourage you to get a good lawyer. Uh, In The Lion King, you know, it's all about, well, the circle of life and how you must be brave. In Star Wars, it's all about, well, good beats evil. Uh, Thelma and Louise was really more about the kind of the the freedom and empowerment. It was a very feminist message, right? So freedom, empowerment of women, the strength of a woman to overcome all odds. Uh, and that's what you want to do. If you're pitching for a client, you're kind of basically trying to tell them, look, I am the right uh, consultant for your business. Or if you're talking about a company, you know, your message could be, yes, we've been through tough times, but we can make it. So you always want to go into your story thinking about, well, what's the actual message that I want to give as a result of my story? Uh, and then that way you craft the story around it so that it gives the message. So five simple steps on how to tell a great story. And the fantastic thing about it is that it is so powerful. It makes people think without them feeling that you're preaching at them. It's a way of implanting an idea or implanting a message that you want to share without having to beat them over the head with it. So if in any situation you are, especially if you're going to give a speech or you're just speaking generally and you're trying to convince people about something, a point of view or to take a certain action, if you can find a story that fits, a story that makes sense with the action you want them to take and fit it into those five steps as I've described them, setting the scene, introducing conflict, heightening the stakes, resolving the story and finally finishing with the moral of the story, it will succeed because story test stories are 22 times more likely to be remembered than facts alone and remember they trigger the right chemicals in people's brains so that they will respond and do what you want them to do the five steps of storytelling the awesome awesome power of storytelling hope you like that hope you found that useful as i said there are notes 
Rife put uh, in the article I've submitted, which is greatspeech.co forward slash storytelling. So go take a look at that. I think you will love it. Please, please, please do keep sharing your reviews. I love reading them. I love receiving them. I will give you a shout out and a heads up on my next episode. Uh, in fact, yes, hmm, my next episode, I think I'm going to change it up slightly. I am going to do, let me think. Yes, I'm going to do my top 10 speeches by women. That's going to be the next episode. My top 10 speeches by women. Uh, I, I choose that because uh, so often, and this is something I kind of, you know, as I was getting much more into public speaking, I was tired of seeing how almost every great speech or great speaker that was referred to was always a male speaker. Now, it's not that they aren't great male speakers. Of course, there are. But what I noticed was I knew of many speeches by women, which I thought were equally, if not better. And they just didn't get the, the attention that they deserved. I'm not entirely sure why it could be by because a whole load of reviewers and speech coaches and all that are men, I guess. I don't know. But I think actually there is a lot to be said by um, recognizing uh, the speeches by other people. So the next um, episode I'm going to do is going to be my top 10 favorite speeches by women. If you've got any suggestions, send them in because I'm quite willing to change my list, uh, even though at the moment it's pretty set. So that's going to be the next episode. Uh, Look out for that when it comes. Hope you enjoyed this one on storytelling. Be sure to use it. And I'm going to leave you with... Uh, goodbye in a different language, which, thank you to middle-aged black man, <laughs> is going to be a kwaheri. Kwaheri. Goodbye. See ya. Cheers.